everyone, Shannon Waller here, and today is a very, very special podcast because I have my friend, and actually I have the honor of having him as a client as well, Dan Cushell, who has created with Genius Network an incredible hiring model, which I think just blows every other hiring model out of the water. And the subtitle is The Four-Step Formula to Identify, Attract, and Hire A-Level Talent. So Dan, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience and wisdom with us. Well, it's, it's an honor to be with you, Shannon. I love what you do, and of course, a uh, big fan of Strategic Coach and Dan and your whole entire team. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Well, it's totally mutual. So before we jump into exactly what your hiring process is, I would really love to talk about why hiring the right people is so important. And at least in my experience, it is one of the number one challenges of growing successful companies is hiring and finding the right people. And I know you have a ton of experience in lots of different venues, obviously not just Piranha Marketing or Genius Network, with putting this together. So can you share some of your background and why you think this is so important and why you put all the effort into creating this process? Absolutely. I think part of it stems from my sports background, admittedly. My dream as a kid, Shannon, was to play pro baseball. And I had an injury or several injuries, actually, that limited that from really taking off. And although I played college baseball and then I coached college baseball as a hitting coach for summer all-star teams for college, and I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot through that experience in coaching, but also having the right people in the right positions, right? Mm -hmm. For example, you don't necessarily put your first baseman, which in baseball is often left-handed, behind home plate to be the catcher most of the time, Right. right? And so, you know, there's a difference between the skill set of someone that's on the pitcher's mound and plays third base and shortstop and so on. So I think it stems from my sports background. And ultimately, that led to business. I started my first company at 22 years old, working in direct mail. We were a consulting group for health clubs, and we would go in and do promotions. And one of the biggest things we found, similarly, is being able to acquire or attract the right type of staff and then also keep that staff and then also make sure that they were in the right positions and not being spread too thin. And fast forward today, you know, a lot's changed in business. <laughs> and I still find that one of the similar problems with most companies is their ability to grow. And I've discovered that you can either grow by direct response marketing. We term it the wealth formula, which is doing the work one time and getting paid over and over again. Second part of the formula says, Put yourself in a position to speak to large groups of people at a time. And what ends up happening many times is because my experience has taught me that a wrong hire, you know, if you put a shortstop or a first baseman behind home plate in business, I mean, it can be very costly. And in my career, I've estimated that I've interviewed well in excess of 22,000 people, either an independent contractor status or a full-time employee type status literally had thousands of people that have worked with me and or my companies over the years. And admittedly, I learned by the school of hard knocks, Shannon, because of the mistakes I've made. I, you know, I'm reminded of Joe Polish's quote that is, uh, you know, only the hungriest fish will eat or grab the crappiest bait. <laughs> so true. And for a long time, I think in my hiring career of, of hiring staff or, you know, as we look at today, right, which outsourcing is one of the greatest gifts all of us have in running a business, the innovation of crowdsourcing and being able to bring in specialized talent. I'm going to hit on that through the course of our interview, I hope. But the beauty is, how would I know if I had a right fit hire in my early years? Well, if they could fog a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. They qualified. Yeah. Yep. And so the cost of a bad hire, of course, you know, I think it's Brad Smart who's done more of the official research, says that for someone under $100,000 a year, the estimated cost is 25 times their base income per year. And if it's over 100000 to 250000 it's a 40 times cost. That's crazy. That is so expensive. Yes. Most of us have felt the pain of a bad hire. And I know I've literally experienced it dozens and hundreds of times. So why I created this process was really for me, number one, is to make sense of being able to bring talent on and put people in the right position. And I actually went back to my roots of sports to really figure that out and just be thinking of where can people fit and how to be able to do that. Number one, it's the B part. Mark Victor Hansen calls it, you've got a B to do to have. So the B is, are the values. The do are the 
actions and the skills are the have part. What do they have that they're bringing to the table as far as capabilities to help you extend or expand your opportunity? Mm, That's a great model. I really like that. And I want to touch on the values because that is one of the four steps of the formula. So I think that's a really key part. And that's part of why I was so excited to share your knowledge with my audience, because I think there's such an alignment on culture and values that you have, which I get really excited about when I find people who are kindred spirits in that way. So I really like that. Also, I mean, one of your primary focuses now is the Genius Network and Prana Marketing and working with Joe. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that puts you in such an incredible entrepreneurial community, I guess, is one of the best words. And I know that, again, hiring is a huge issue for them. Absolutely. And I feel extremely blessed and grateful to be a part of Joe's world here with Genius Network. And I think we certainly complement each other extremely well. The short version of how we even connected was he was a client. He bought a product of mine in like 2001 or so, and it was an info publishing product. We stayed in touch over time, and he would call me up, Shannon, and go, hey, Dan, I've got Mark Victor Hansen in my office. I've got Jack Canfield, and I've got these incredible, Joe's just an amazing genius networker. And he, it seemed like he'd call me quarterly and say something like that. And I go, well, when are they going to be there? And he'd go, like, 15 minutes. I'm like, well, Joe, I'm busy running my company. <laughs> and fast forward, and I would attend a couple of his boot camps overall. And then in 2006, he started what was the catalyst for the Genius Networker 25K group. And uh, he said, hey, I'm thinking about starting this group. What do you think about being a part of it? And I was like, well, Joe, actually, if I cut a check to you for the amount of the tuition, I will probably start showing up when you invite me. (laughs) So so I enrolled. I was in the group for five years, referred a lot of people to Joe in the group, just a big ambassador. I just love Joe's character. I love his values. And what happened is I ended up with a health issue, Shannon, where I, two weeks after my son was born in 07, I ended up in a hospital and was in the hospital for four days and actually thought I might not make it past those four days. And it got me to reevaluate just about everything in my career and in my life and what I was doing. And I set the stage then to sell my companies. And part of that process led to a better hiring system because, of course, people buy systems, which increases the value of the company overall. And this became one of those systems of how we could acquire and attract talent I ended up selling the companies in 2009, essentially became a semi-full-time dad, worked on fun independent projects, and then Joe, in the course of our relationship, said, well, what are you working on? I'm just like, well, a couple fun projects and mostly spending time with my kids. He said, what? Richard Rossi, who's also in Strategic Coach, said, why don't you two get together? So we did, and over the course of several months, six months, I think it was, we had some conversations to make sure we were both in alignment of how we could both is probably stubborn, hard-headed entrepreneurs, hard-driving entrepreneurs could actually work together. And so we ultimately came up with that blueprint, and we've been working together since. And it's, I think, for both of us, been a real blessing and an exponential multiplier. I love that story. And although I don't like the cause of it, to me, it's huge benefit because I see both of your unique abilities being in such great teamwork and partnership. And I think, as you said, it's been a huge multiplier. So I'm excited that I got to meet you this way. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. And I think I also, I left out the part, your original part of the question. So one was how Joe and I started working together. The other part was the values. And so that process that I went through in the hospital really got me to evaluate what I was working on. Everything that I do now and everything that I work to teach stems from three questions, actually, as it relates to value. And so I think this will be incredibly valuable in the process of hiring is getting very, very clear, number one, in the process is identify and decide what do you want, right? And I admittedly, I had five companies actually collectively working in one way or another together. And I realized as I was kind of scared in the hospital situation that I was making a lot of decisions that weren't really what I wanted. Mm. So that experience actually got me to look in the mirror and go, well, Dan, what is it that you really want? Not what do my kids want at that time? What does my wife want? But what do my employees or team members want? What do I want? And when I sat down and really took the time to analyze what I wanted, it was very different than what I was doing. And the same thing in hiring, right? It's really identifying what do you want. I mean, I think it starts with identifying the roles that someone would have, the qualifications, and then the things that they would be accountable for. One of the processes that we have in our company that we walk our team through is we actually have them give themselves 
uh, title. Now, we're a company, Shannon, where we're a, in many ways a titleless company because Joe's philosophy is that titles many times can lead to entitlement. So it's about creative titling and then coming up with a summary description of what is it that you do and then the top five things that that person is responsible for. And this creates much greater clarity in the company, greater teamwork, which I know you're just an absolute expert and pro at. For example, one of our staff members here, Gina, who's been with Joe for well over a decade, her title in this fun example of what do I want and who am I and ultimately the third step, which is what do you stand for, this overview actually hits on those in many ways. So her titling is Marketing Alchemist, which I love that title, Marketing Alchemist. I love it. And then her summary description is, I help Joe Polish and the team run marketing campaigns so that Joe's messages can reach entrepreneurs and help them improve their businesses. So then her five key things are related to really that description. So she works with Genius Network and the hiring application system, customer service for I Love Marketing and Genius Network, reporting, customer service, domain management, implementing the marketing campaign. So those are her, actually there's six for her. Mm-hmm. That's an example. Like here with Joe, my fun title is actually, I'm the FA and CEO, but it's not what you think. So FA is facilitator of awesomeness. <laughs> I love it. And CEO is catalyst of elf opportunities. Elf is an acronym that Joe came up with, which is easy, lucrative, and fun. And so my summary is I reduce complexity, and then I help drive and facilitate elegant ideas. One elegant idea is worth more than a thousand semi-good ideas, which Joe teaches, execution, and then team culture to help the company grow exponentially 10 times or more. So that's my summary. And my belief is when you build strong people and you have the right people in the right positions, you can set records. Oh, I love it. And I so concur with you and Joe about the whole title leading to entitlement. And I have long discussions. In fact, I remember writing a blog post called The Trouble with Titles. Yeah. I am a Star Trek fan, so it was kind of reminding me of Trouble with Tribbles. They just create this bias, and people get so much more focused on the role than they do their unique ability and their contribution. And I love how you've taken that to who are they and what's their contribution and what difference are they making? And I love creative-based titles. One of my favorite titles, by the way, this was the founder of Joe Boxer. He was the chief underpants officer. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I giggle every single time I say it. He's out of the company now and whatever. But to me, it was such a brilliant take on a title because you cannot feel entitled with chief underpants officer. You just can't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to necessarily bring that title into Genius Network, but I might take it home to my family values. And Absolutely. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your kids might really like that. <laughs> so it's just when you add a playfulness to it or really an authenticity to it, I think it makes a massive difference. And I kind of bounced around because that's how my brain works. Mine too. Thankfully, having a great team kind of reigns me in. So I want to make sure that you're incredible fans and the people that are listening to this really get the gist of it. It's kind of back up just a little bit uh, to create the framework. So it's number one, you know, identify what you want as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, as the leader of your group. What do you want? That then goes to the second step, which is who are you, right? One of my beliefs, Shannon, is that you many times will, if you're not strategic about this, you'll actually recruit who you are and not who you want. And so I'm a quick start. I'm someone who can run hundreds of miles an hour, and I'll figure out the map along the way. And so I found, like I shared, one of my problems years ago was basically someone who would be a candidate to be hired by me in the beginning was someone who could fog a mirror. And so if they could just run with me, that was going to be my decision process. And what I found is that was a way to sabotage my success. And although I may have had yes people around me and I may have had fans in my teams or my companies, it wasn't the most effective organization to really build for exponential growth. And so you need those compliments. What pops up is the book, Five Love Languages. Love it. And in that book, they talk about the complementary traits or values or characteristics overall. So when you get very clear on what you want and you get very clear on who you are as the owner entrepreneur, now it gives you peace and it gives you confidence and clarity to then be able to identify, okay, now you do those same two steps for the role that you want to fill. So now you go, what do I want in that role? And who do I want in that role? And the step three in the process overall 
is what do you stand for? What are the underlying values that really are going to be the determining factor of not just this decision, but ultimately can become the ultimate decision maker? And I have to share with you, Shannon, that here with Genius Network, we borrow five of our eight values actually from you and Dan and Strategic Coach, right? That's okay by me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy to share them as well in you. Yeah, please do. About all our business decisions and our hiring decisions, vendors, suppliers, we're evaluating on these eight values that we've identified as our core values. Number one is appreciate, as I know you teach in your workshops and you work with your students and Dan works with his students. You know, he talks about it in terms of the five ways you get paid. And so number one in our value system is appreciate. Number two is enhance. Number three is utilize. Number four is referability. Number five is the reward. And our version of reward is, are they a financial multiplier? Then the next values are desire to learn and grow, anticipate needs, and resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. And so what we're looking to do is anybody that comes into our world, whether it's a client, whether it's a vendor, supplier, and a candidate on our team, do they demonstrate these eight values, and we do it in twofold ranking. One, we're rating it on a one to five scale, five being greatest. That's one way that we rank it, and we create a scorecard. The second way we do it is either plus, neutral, which would be plus, minus, or a minus, right? And as a team member, if anybody scores a minus, right, in any more than one category for a certain period of time, they're likely not going to be on our team for much longer, right? In our world, there's no such thing necessarily as a bad person. It was a bad choice. <laughs> but that's interesting. So I just want everyone to really appreciate how valuable this information is. So this isn't even hiring. This is when someone's on board and whether or not they get to stay on board, which is a whole other <laughs> conversation, actually. Yes. But figuring out your values. And by the way, we have a download, which we'll share shortly. And I start answering the question which you ask is now's a good time to make some notes. So what do you value most? And it was so easy for me to fill it out. And just to share mine for a moment, my personal ones, efficiency, effectiveness, collaboration, intelligence, sense of humor, passion, guts, and unique ability. Those are mine. But the whole idea of taking that list and then, by the way, I really love desire to grow, anticipate needs, and resourcefulness. That is awesome. Another way we talk about a coach is to be alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful so that we share resourcefulness on there. But to take that and then score it on a one to five plus neutral or minus, that's incredibly powerful. And I actually love that you put so much emphasis on it because I find it's so easy even at coach sometimes to make compromises. Oh, well, you need what they do, but we're ignoring the being part. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's something that taints the water when people don't share the same values, aren't responding the way that we need them to respond. And often there's a coaching opportunity or there's something personal going on with them, which needs to be respected. But it just means that this is how we need people to show up. And if everyone's doing that and one or two or three people aren't, it impacts and affects everybody. So I really want to stress the value of using your values as a criteria for success. I think that's huge. I agree 100%. And as the entrepreneur or business owner or leader of a team in an organization, it's really important to start the process of just answering that simple question for yourself, which is what you just did, which is what do you value most, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know there's people who do multi-day type things on values, which is great. And you know, I know that you can definitely go very, very deep with the value proposition concept and model. And yet at the same time, I remember when I first brought the idea into Genius Network and our team with Joe, and I simply just asked everybody in a discussion, said, hey, everybody just write the answer to this question. What do you value most being here? Mm. <laughs> right? And it was so simple. And yes. There was no pressure on it. They just wrote down. And then what happened is everybody had like multiple answers. We put them all up on the board. We started to see the common threads. And then we just started to play the game of what's most important. And 100% of the time, what is true? Mm. And that's ultimately what led to the choices that we have as our filtering mechanism or our core values here. And it's so much simpler than I think people let on. But it does start with that first step as the leader, as the owner, as the entrepreneur to, to identify that answer to that question and then anticipate the needs. I mean, I love the DOS conversation that you teach in Strategic Coach, Dangerous Opportunity Strength, anticipating your client's 
dangers, opportunities, and strengths as well. And so another layer of this is then thinking, if you're listening right now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm just me and one other person. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter where you're at today. It matters where you want to go. And adding quality capabilities, whether it's in-house, full-time, or even outsourced team utilizing this methodology is incredibly powerful. And if you have somebody on your team, anticipate. What do you think they would say that they would value most? And then go find out, and that answer may also be a little shocking too <laughs> because the things that you think they may value, actually they don't see as a value. It actually is a conflict. And so that's where really fleshing out to get true and get to the core of what is true 100% of the time becomes an important determining factor in not just the hiring decisions, but ultimately in all decisions that you may make as a company. Joe talks about it in terms of we've got gold coin opportunities, silver coin, and bronze coin. I've heard it also described as apples. You know, is it a red apple? Is it a green apple, meaning it's not ripe yet, or is it a rotten apple? <laughs> and really looking at the filtering and taking the time to discern, which is one of the greatest gifts, I think, of all leadership, and I, Shannon, admit in watching, and my admiration of you and your talent and your capability, is discernment is one of those hidden talents and skills and capabilities that I think great leaders have, which you definitely possess, and it's something that can be trained at the same time. So these filters become that discernment tool as well. Thank you. And some of that discernment was hard won, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump into your incredible eight-step process, because that's actually step four, and I want to get to that because you have just some genius ways of getting at what is core for people, I want to go back to your step two about the who, because you said something there, which I think is just really important to have people absorb fully, and that is you said you recruit who you are and not who you want. I think that actually that one of the number one hiring mistakes is that we hire clones instead yeah. of, as you said, compliments. Unless you have tools, and you, as are we, huge fans of Colby, K-O-L-B-E dot com, if you want to check that out, and DISC, and you also use another one called Wealth Dynamics. These profiles just help you understand yourself better. I actually have a workshop called Know Thyself, and then also helps you really understand the candidates so much better. And then you have objective, not just subject information with which to compare. And I really, again, see that I've hired clones, and then I wonder why they don't want to do the work I don't want to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they just want my job, actually. <laughs> Every single one of us has made that hiring mistake, I'm sure. But it takes actually knowing and appreciating your own talents and your non-strengths as well to be able to really have that wider perspective, appreciating that there are different people who look different, sound different, talk different, and love to do the stuff that we don't. And that, to me, is the essence of unique ability teamwork. So that's partly why I think this is just so absolutely essential. Absolutely. And I think it was a quote from John Stump, and it goes something along the lines, Shannon, that he says that great bosses typically hire great people. Mm. Right? In other words, A people hire A people. Yes. But here's the challenge many times. B people have a tendency to hire C people. Right. Because they get worried or concerned that they might be shown up. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Or they're concerned that the person might make them look out of place or maybe look bad, right? And so that's one frame to look at overall, but the other is then just knowing what to do, right? I'm reminded exactly. of a, a, a quote that Joe is sharing as of late. It's an Indian proverb that says, he who has his help has a thousand wishes, he who doesn't has only one. Oh, that's so true. Right? Yep. And I see the same thing here in hiring. I think Ray Kroc, the founder of the whole systematization model, or many regard him as that, you know, E-Myth ultimately spun out of that from Michael Gerber, systems run your business, find good people to run those systems. And Ray Kroc said that you're only as good as the people you hire. Mm -hmm. So where do you, where do we want to go today? And many times can be escalated and multiplied by the quality of people we surround ourselves with. And you know, do we want to be around all-stars? And every business model is different because I think there are distinct business models where, like, for example, McDonald's, I mean, I don't know that you need to hire for resourcefulness, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. They're a company whose system is so successful they can handle 300% turnover a year. Exactly. Which is pretty profound, actually. Yep. This is one of the things I wanted to bring out today is you talk about A players in the model, which is, you know, a term from Dr. Brad Smart. 
And the productivity that comes out of an A player is such a multiplier compared to a B player. And their definition, if I have it correct, is that it's the highest level capability you can get for that role at that pay grade. So it's not the most expensive person. It doesn't matter if you're hiring for an hourly role or the CEO, whichever definition you want to use. You want to find the very best capability and talent at that level, at that pay grade, which I think is just a great model. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited about your process, and I think I'm going to have to share the, the link now so that people can see it, is just that I really think it helps to filter out those B players. You really do structure everything towards attracting, and obviously, as you've talked about with the values tool, to help retain the very, very, very best talent who's aligned from a value standpoint and a skills standpoint to help really maximize and leverage the results that we're all after. Again, I'm just full of appreciation for how strategic, because that's one of my favorite things, you've been to help attract and keep those A players. I think it's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. And I love that model from Brad Smart related to A players. I agree. And it's funny, as it relates to being able to, you know, I guess go back to discernment, is an A player to me simply sees things and does things or gets things done that others just don't, mm-hmm. right, compared to, say, a B level or a C level and so on. They just see, do, and get things done that others don't. It just shows up, and the process that we're going to talk about, Shannon, mm-hmm. helps identify some of those triggers, if you will, or some of those capabilities even before you may even meet with someone, which we'll get into here in a little bit. All right. Well, before we jump into that, I want to stress, because I've read a lot of Dr. Smart's information, this will tie in perfectly, because first of all, if you've looked at top grading the book, everyone, it is a tome. It is about 700 pages, and I had the chance to meet with him, actually, I think through Joe and Dan and Babs were there. And he said, yeah, actually, it should have been three books. And I was nodding to myself, yes, it should have been, because (laughs) it's massive. But somewhere I read, or he said, it really boils down to one characteristic. The number one characteristic of an A player is resourcefulness. Mm. So I think that needs to be on everyone's list. And one of the things you'll notice as we talk through your process, Dan, for everyone listening, is that resourcefulness is built into almost every step. People have to be resourceful in order to be able to succeed through this process. So I think you've created an amazing filter for that. So if you are dedicated to getting great people, then I would highly recommend it. So can I give away the download now? Because I just think it's such an incredible gift. Of course. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So Dan has agreed very generously to share the entire layout. You can get downloads of all of the formats, the interview questions, which I think are genius, by the way, selections of ads for positions. And here's the address. Here's how to go get it. So go to GeniusNetwork.com slash multiplier hiring. Again, GeniusNetwork.com slash Multiplier Hiring. And in there, you will get all the goodies, and it will summarize what we're going to talk about here. So again, thank you very much for doing that, Dan. I'm just very appreciative. Well, you're welcome, and our pleasure. Great. Okay, so after these 22 years of work and 20,000 interviews, you have distilled down a process. And I want to just go over the eight steps, and then we'll drill down. We'll have time for some more than others. But I want to go over all eight, and then we'll get specific about a few of the key ones. So step number one is to cast a net. Number two is survey. Three is the video request. Can't wait to talk about that one. Four is Colby. Five is give them an assignment. Six is first interview. Seventh step is second and third interviews. And then step number eight is the onboarding process. Right. So let's start off with casting a net. How is it that you guys recommend that people cast a net? And there's a couple phases, how you advertise and where you advertise. Is that right? Absolutely. So number one, it starts with the first three steps that we share. Decide what you want, the who, and what do you stand for. Once that is defined, now go out and cast a net, which essentially can mean an ad, number one. Number two, it's networking. And three, being able to ask for referrals. That is our version of casting a net. Coming up with an ad that is really clear, yet done in a way that really focuses on the candidate and not the company is incredibly important. I see one of the biggest mistakes in in hiring, besides hiring too fast and being impulsive to hire, it's the idea that the way that we go out and attract someone ends up being a mistake overall. And what I mean is the ad doesn't have the right languaging, it doesn't have the right copy, 
for example, if you're looking to hire an, someone in an accounting role, the languaging for that is likely going to be different than if you're hiring in a sales role and the type of personality characteristics, the trait, the roles, etc. So being very clear on casting the net, number one, of what it is, and then B is where. One of our favorite resources to work with today are, there's two that I'll share. One is called ZipRecruiter.com, which is a really, really great resource because you can put your ad on that platform and it casts the net for you to multiple places like LinkedIn, Facebook, Craigslist, and so on. ZipRecruiter.com is a great resource to start the casting of the net process. And they also have a tracking system and a tracking platform. And then number two is testing out with Craigslist in a local market overall as well. So those would be a few shortcut tips for step number one in casting the net. Awesome. And one of the things that really impressed me too that is very, very different than anything I've seen before, and I've seen a few, it's obvious what a great and capable marketing company you are just because of how the ad is written for the job. <laughs> and so one of the examples is a personal executive assistant superstar. Well, first of all, most people don't put superstar in their title, so that's a differentiator. Can I just read this, Dan, because I just think it's so cool? Absolutely. And I like that you start with a question because that's how I like to start mine too. Are you confident, reliable, and resourceful? Do you have lots of energy, a great work ethic, exceptional, in all caps, organization and communication skills? If so keep reading. Here are a few requirements. One, exceptional organization and communication skills. Two, loads of common sense. Three, champion at meeting deadlines. Four, talent to build and maintain rapport with high profile clients. Five, quick on your feet and able to make decisions without a lot of details. I could go on. Well, actually, maybe I will. We are a high-profile, fun, fast-paced marketing company looking for an A player who is highly efficient, highly motivated, self-directed, resourceful, results-oriented person with a sense of humor and thick skin to be the personal assistant for our president and founder, Joe Polish. We want a full-time, long-term rock star personal or executive assistant. <laughs> I mean, I love every second of that. And it goes on in much greater detail. But there's something immediately where you're going to, I know that Joe's whole thing is sift, sort, and scream, out the wrong people and in the right people. And this does it, not from marketing in terms of clients, but in terms of people on your team. And I just think it's really interestingly written. I love how you've done it. Yeah, it is a simple framework for someone that might be listening who's new, never really done this before. We use the principle of ADA, which is an acronym, attention, which is the A. So you get their attention, which is the headline. I is interest, so you build up their interest, which is where the questions and the characteristics come in. The D is build up their desire, which is what you heard Shannon talk about, which is we're a fast-paced company, etc. And then the action, which is the call to action, ultimately, which is to take the next step to fill out the survey, and then ultimately it leads to them into another step, which is the video. Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the actions they need to take, because I think it's pretty interesting how much you make your candidates and potential hires do, they have to jump through a few hoops to get to talk to you. Yes, absolutely. And you, know, you mentioned the sifting and screening mechanism. Joe is really big on this acronym concept of ELF, easy, lucrative, and fun, mm -hmm. versus half, which is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating, right? Because as you're watching or listening right now, many people have likely interviewed or spent lots of time in interviews with some bad results. And so what we're going to look to do with this process is help you save time, be very protective of your time, in fact, make better choices, better decisions, hire slow, and get the right candidates coming through your model that are in alignment with you with the values if you'll take the steps that we'll reveal and share with you. So the next step is the survey. And admittedly, Shannon, our survey for us is far more important than any resume at all. Mm. So that, that's one of the key things. And the survey that we utilize does have certain factors built into it that help us identify whether someone can be aligned with our values or not. One of the questions regarding compensation, and this wouldn't apply to every single role in a company, but part of the survey is if you're selected, we operate in an entrepreneurial-type company with reward and compensation based on value creation, performance, and results. Please outline your thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. We just want to evaluate where they're at. Are they more of a linear thinker or are they more of an exponential multiplier thinker? 
using strategic coach terms, or are they more stuck in more of a time economy, pay-for-time economy, mm-hmm. or are they more in a results economy? And there are several others. Just for sake of time, I wanted to highlight that one. But the survey really does a very good job to help us because even that question will have people shy away right there at that point in the survey. And we found that to be true. Yeah, and there's huge value in having a standardized survey that everyone fills out because it really does mean you're comparing apples to apples then because otherwise resumes and cover letters could be so different. And also it means probably that they're writing their own stuff, so you can also check out their written skills or communication skills, just even that simple first step. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Now talk about the video because I think this is super cool and fascinating. I've kind of challenged people actually to do it because I think it's a very cool strategy and very current. If I think about most hiring processes, it does not take video into account. So I'd love that you have this as part of your process. Awesome. So there's two sides to the video, actually. One side of the video is actually, on our end, creating a video for the candidates to see of what we're looking for. Because how many dry ads have people seen out there? How many different types of postings where it's basically just a job description and apply. So similarly, we like to use ELF techniques, easy, lucrative, and fun, versus half-hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. One of the mentors I learned from years ago, Shannon, said, you know, watch what everybody else does and do the opposite. (laughs) I like that. Right? So instead of being in a muddy field, commoditized with everybody else's very bland-looking ads, well, one way to stand out is to create a piece of it that's a video ad. So For example, we actually had Joe record what he was looking for, and he got into dangers that he was running up against, the opportunities for someone, and it was just very candid, real, and transparent. So that's a filter. So we can use a video on the front end, and if you're not comfortable in front of a camera, then don't worry about it. You can just use the process the way we lay it out. But one step you can use to add greater impact and even a greater filtering technique is to record a video and put it in the description So people can get a true feel of the personality behind the company, the match if it's a good fit from that perspective as well. And then by sharing a video up front, now when you ask them to create a video, well, now it becomes a little bit more effective because they go, well, they did it. I guess I can. Although it's not necessary situation to be able to work with. But one of the things in the survey itself that we do, Shannon, is we say prior to being selected, are you able to send out a video to demonstrate your skills? And that question as well sets the stage because similar to yours, curiosity, resourceful, for us resourcefulness and anticipating needs is pretty important. And also being someone who's more on the cutting edge of technology, we need someone who can adapt quickly. So if someone would check no to the answer to that question, number one, it tells us they're not really in tune with technology because almost every phone in the world today has a camera on it, right? (laughs) If you have a smartphone, you can take a video. (laughs) Exactly. So it becomes pretty simple. So that helps us identify whether someone's a right fit. But then the video itself is very simple. We're not looking for a professionally edited video or anything of that nature. We're really just looking to see, are they resourceful? Can they get the video done? And what type of characteristics do they have overall that fit and or would fit with our values and or the specific role and description that we're looking to fill for that particular position. Mm -hmm. I love it. There is something that when I talked about a partnership between you and the candidate, it's very evident by the fact that they get to see Joe's video for this particular role, which also sets the context. So I really like that. You're not leaving people. It's like, okay, just send us a video of you, but we're mysterious. No, you're completely upfront and out there. And then you're asking for them to match that which I think, to me, there's a humanity in that that I really appreciate. But also, someone who's not willing to do it probably is not a right fit for the company, so that's a great filter. Now, you also talk about evaluating the video, and you've got some great comments in that. One of the things that I really like that's in the download that we talked about, again, geniusnetwork.com slash multiplierhiring, is the feedback from some of your team members that you have hired this way. Share some of that, because I think it's interesting for people who've obviously made it through the process. They found it to be a really positive experience. Is that right? Absolutely. In fact, they've told us they learn more about themselves going through our process than anything that they had done (laughs) overall. So the interview, it it provides the candidates even more clarity. It makes them a better human being. I mean, Joe and our mission and our purpose as a company 
overall, Shannon, is to reduce suffering for entrepreneurs, and we have several vehicles to do that, Genius Network being one of them. I think Joe's biggest goal is to reduce suffering for humanity. So this makes even the candidates, our team members, better, I guess I'd say, human beings by going through the process because it helps them articulate their message about them better. It demonstrates how they can sell themselves better, puts them into a place that they're probably uncomfortable. Let's face it, for all of us, I mean, you know this as well as anybody as a leader, is the greatest leaders and the greatest growth happens from being willing to stretch ourselves. So our candidates, even our team that have gone through the process, they've expressed to us, they've learned more about themselves through this than anything that they've ever experienced before in an interview process. And it was a lot of fun for them as well, for, mm. for most people doing it. That's fantastic. I like to feel that too. And by the way, the next step, part four, is the Colby assessment. And that's one thing I like too. People make it through our process to a certain point. We do the Colby. We actually do it for them, but I love your process too. I think it's very cool. And I love that even if someone doesn't get hired, they leave knowing more about themselves than when they started. Anything that makes a person better as a result of going through it, to me, is a win, whether or not they get the job. So I'm totally on that same page. So let's talk about Colby for a moment because I've mentioned it, you've mentioned it. So how important is Colby to your hiring process? Well, Colby for us is a must-do overall for us. And we like to test candidates up front and ask them to look at the idea of taking the Colby on their own just as an test. We're an entrepreneurial company. We can't require it from them to do. If they ultimately come in and we feel that they're a good fit, we will actually similar to what you do at Strategic Coach, Shannon, is we'll do it for them. But we like to test it out to see if they're willing to invest in themselves a little bit to learn about who they are at a greater rate. So for us, the Colby helps matches. I mean, you're an absolute expert at and probably do a better job of articulating, but again, going back to the book Five Love Languages, what it does for me is it helps identify how team members no matter what their strengths or weaknesses are, how to best complement each other, right? Mm -hmm. And overall, like my Colby score is a 3394, so three fact finder, three follow through, nine quick start, and four in implementer. So what I need is someone that is higher up on the scale as far as fact finder, follow through, and implementer to complement me very well. Mm-hmm. So what this helps do is to help bridge the gap. Dan, of course, and you talk about living in the gap. And so to me, another way to visualize it is we're all in the gap. We all have strengths and we have some weaknesses. So the key to how to stay out of the gap is to find those complements that gel as well. Or going back to even the original example up front we talked about, about building a team in sports. It's about having someone who truly is a catcher play catcher, someone who is a first baseman play first base, second base, shortstop, and third and getting those pieces in alignment. The Colby helps identify what the natural style of operation is, the things we do well effortlessly in our just normal everyday tasks. Exactly. And just to add a little bit to that, Colby, unlike a personality inventory or an intelligence inventory, measures how people strive, how they problem solve. And last time I checked, that's pretty much what work was all about. So that's why, <laughs> yeah. that's why I think it's so essential. Personality is great. Intelligence is incredibly important, more so than I ever thought. But one of the things that can be hard to tell about someone is, in fact, how they problem solve. And Colby gets at that so quickly and so effectively. And if people are not familiar with the Colby Right Fit process, which is their hiring process, it's great because it actually helps you figure out what you want. So it helps you answer that question. And then you can match the candidates against it. And it's just powerful because it clarifies your thinking. And then you've got basically a tool that takes most hiring from about a 50% success rate up to 80. There's another 20% you still have to figure out on your own, which this absolutely helps you do. But it just has all of these great tools to help you get clear and make sure that you are, in fact, as you said, hiring the right person, not the wrong one, because that's a very expensive decision to make. Absolutely. Awesome. And you know what pops up for me, Shannon, overall, I mean, there's a lot of depth to each of these steps that we, for sake of time, we have to provide some of the shortcuts or the mini hacks, if you will, to convey the messaging. But it's kind of like fishing. I took my kids out fishing here not too long ago, and I remember my son got his first nibble on the hook, and it seemed as though that his natural tendency was actually to dive in the water and go taste the fish. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of that, and to me, it's like how I used to hire. Like I'd get a little nibble on the hook, and I'd want to go dive here, fishy, 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 and go chase the fish. And a smarter way, of course, is if you get a little nibble is to kind of just pull it back just a little bit and test the fish 
and see if they're really going to take that big bite onto the hook. And then the other thing is to think about what bait are you putting out. So I think the other thing about this process that I hear frequently, not only from the candidates who come in, but also the people that we've had in Genius Network and people who've implemented this system in their own companies, the beauty of it as well is I built it as a starfish model. Mm-hmm. You know, the book, The Starfish and the Spider. The starfish model, if you cut off a leg of a starfish, it grows back and sometimes it's even bigger. With a spider, it kills it. So this model is really built so you can adapt it into your company for your values, the way of operation, but it gives you a framework to build. Richard Rossi, for example, built a $100 million company with Envision. We had a conversation months ago. He said, I've never hired a salesperson in my career. We walked him through this process. He adapted a few intricacies to it with his company, and he's hired some salespeople, and he said he's doing some incredible things, and this was such a time saver for him and such a multiplier to be able to get the right type of candidates. Another Genius Network member, Sean Terry, who runs a real estate education company and a separate real estate property investment company, he put this in place and talked about just the ease of being able to hire people. So number one, it becomes the right bait. And I think higher quality people today love creativity. They love the idea of an ELF process too, easy, lucrative, and fun, that they know there's thought behind it. So I think people, when they see it, are like, wow, this is incredible. I've never experienced this in a company before, but I respect it, appreciate it, and boy, I want to work here. That's awesome, yeah. This is the kind of place I want to be a part of. So that pops up for me. And another example on the fishing side of it is, for me, going out fishing years ago when I was making my mistakes of chasing fish around and basically any fish that could fog up a mirror would be a candidate. And I'd catch a fish and I'd go, oh, that's a hammerhead. You, know, you have to throw that one back. And right. Or I'd get someone that was a skunk, right? They come in and they pollute the culture of the company because the values weren't in alignment. I remember one of my first hires, he was a great, great salesman, but his values just weren't right. He had certain characteristics that I won't go into, but it became <laughs> evident he wasn't a good fit. And I had a decision to hold the value for the revenue he created or hold the value for what I stood for as a person. And we cut him and let him go. And I remember one of my right-hand people at the time was just devastated by this because it ultimately impacted his compensation. But I said, for the value of the company and us doing what we are going to look to do long-term, he's just not a fit here. And it ended up being the best thing for the company because, as I've heard Dan say many times, the things that got you from here to there are not the things that are going to get you from there to the promised land. Exactly. You know, I see a little nibble, and I sell the candidate on the company, and I'm a really, really good salesperson. Yep. (laughs) So they buy, and then I'm like, oh, that wasn't such a good idea. (laughs) So (laughs) it's really important, I think, that you leave room for the other person to step into the process, to show up, to be creative. And they, as you said, creative people really appreciate creativity. And anything that increases the confidence on either side, you talked about Genius Network members, Richard and Sean, anything that increases people's confidence in hiring, I am all for, because it is probably the number one area of pain for most entrepreneurs is being able to get great people. So I love it. So I want to move on to some of your fabulous interview questions. So you've got a couple different interviews. And by the way, in the handout, there are some phenomenal pieces of communication you can just borrow and modify for your own company. You've done all the heavy lifting in terms of how to communicate back to the candidate. So thank you for sharing that, Dan, because that's usually kind of the pain point, again, for a lot of people. But you have some questions that I want to get into that I think are just amazing. I should ask you before I jump into the ones that I think are awesome. What are some of the key questions, and you've shared some in the surveys, but once you get into the interview process, what are some of the questions that you find are the most essential that get at the core of whether or not someone's going to be successful with Genius Network? Wow, so that is a very powerful question. And one of my favorite questions, I guess, stems from the book, Start With Why. Yes, Simon Sinek. That's Simon Sinek, right? So I love asking the why question a lot. It shows up different. So why are you looking for a new career, for example? Or why are you looking for a change? So the answer that someone provides to that really will tell you a story. that is incredibly powerful for you to be listening or paying attention to. Another of the whys is why would you be a good candidate versus someone else? Mm-hmm. Right? Why do you want to be a part of our company? Right? Because that also gives you a framework to know if they've done any homework at all, 
Are they taking it serious or are they treating it like an amateur? Mm-hmm. So are they a pro or are they an amateur status, which also speaks depending on the values. You'll identify are they curious, alert, resourceful, anticipating. I mean, a lot of different things pop up. Another great question that I love to ask is, do you set goals? Inevitably, it. most people will say yes, right, to that question. <laughs> and then you ask them, what, what are they? <laughs> yeah, what are they? And now if they start stumbling and bumbling and rumbling, then you realize that maybe they don't set goals like they express. That is an indicator. What would be most important for you in a new career or a new position right now? Mm-hmm. There's several that I don't know that I could linchpin it to one or two, but these are a few that I think are incredibly valuable. Another one related to compensation, because I love to see how people start to sell themselves at this point. And that is, what do you expect to earn in your next position? Mm, That's such a great question. By the way, I highlighted the questions, and I think I highlighted at least 20. (laughs) I will not go through all of them (laughs) because I thought they were great. A couple of the ones that just really jumped out of me, they were different, ones that I haven't heard before, is how do you alleviate stress? Uh, I think that's an awesome one to ask people. What type of work environment do you prefer? One of my favorites, what is your typical way of dealing with conflict? Yeah. Is it a punch in the face? Is it running out of the room? Is it crying? You know, it's good to know these things about people you might be hiring. What tools or habits do you use to keep organized? What unique experience or qualifications separate you from other candidates? And then another one on interview three pages. What have been your favorite books you've read over the past few months? Yeah. That really picks out, are they, did they desire to grow and learn? And my other favorite, because I love to learn, is what type of personal development books or programs have you done in the last few months, either inside or outside the company? Now, part of the reason why I like that one is somebody asked me about my books or learning. That's a good half hour right there. I'd have, I'd have a lot of answers for that one. And another one that's great is for you, how would you define success? So I know I'm always looking for good interview questions because it's not a unique ability of mine. I'm one of the last people that my team brings in for interviews. But having these at my fingertips and having these questions, I think, gets at a whole other area of people that most standard interview questions don't. I agree. And I think it comes back to the bait as how to stand out in the crowd compared to others. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. So for everyone listening, if you're looking for some great interview questions, delve in here. There is so much great stuff. So let's assume that someone's gone through the survey, they've watched the video, they've sent, submitted their own video, they've made it through that phase, they did the Colby, and you also recommend DISC as well, so you have them do discprofile.com, right? Uh-huh. And Wealth Dynamics at wealthdynamics.com, so other pieces of information about people. And they've gone through the first interview and the second interview and the third interview, and they've passed all of that, and oh my gosh, you actually hire them. <laughs> What then? Describe the onboarding process. What does that look like for someone actually coming on board with the company? One of the ways that we do it, Shannon, we have a one-page tool that we start our candidates with, which is called the Genius Playbook. And essentially what we're then going to convey to them are the values of the company, right? We're going to have them take notes on this Genius Playbook sheet so they have one for their own record. What is the company purpose, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very clear. For us, it's a one-sentence response so that it's congruent with the team and there's continuity there. Then the next is the focus. What are the focuses of the overall company right now? And also, what are the focuses for the future, right? Mm -hmm. And we go into understanding the marketing plan for our company because we're, in many ways, a marketing-driven company. In fact, I forget who said it, but all companies really are in the business of marketing and innovation. Yes, that was Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker, yes, thank you. I had a feeling you would know that. (laughs) Just because Dan said it about 18 million times, but yes. (laughs) We go into actually the marketing plan to onboard our candidate. This could be someone even working at the front desk. We just hired somebody in our video department as a multiplier, and we went through this process with her. And so we went into the marketing, so we get into the demographic of our ideal clients. Who are they? What would we say they look like, right? What's the avatar? Mm -hmm. Do the geographic. Where are they? A lot of people assume that people know that you might be a nationwide or a global company versus a local. So we go into those little details. with Then we go into the psychograph. What are the biggest concerns that are on their mind as a client? What's their number one danger or problem keeping them up at night? So we go into the psychographics. Then we go into one of the processes of our company. So we walk through a process so that they're clear on what that would be. For us, that happens to be related to Genius Network because it's one of the most important things we do as a company. 
and then we go into what makes us unique as a company, and then what is our company guarantee. So this one-page genius playbook, literally, I used versions of this running my previous six, seven companies, that we would take people through. And again, what it does is it reduces complexity, it creates simplicity, feeds into the Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, I wouldn't give a fig to be on the other side of complexity, but I'd give my life to be on this side of simplicity. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you could sit down with someone for less than an hour and give them your own version of a genius playbook onboarding, as I just described, and that person will have more confidence and clarity about a company that I've seen a lot of companies have with team members and multipliers on their team. They'll be there three years, and you go, hey, what's the real purpose of your company? I don't know. (laughs) I just can't emphasize that enough because what I love is that you really go into very specific details about who your clients are. It is kind of amazing to me that people aren't aware. Well, in our company, I think people are very clear about who our clients are, but we work with entrepreneurs and only entrepreneurs. That is our client base. That is the people who we can best serve. Those are the people that we care about and we know their dangers, their opportunities, and their strengths. So if we onboard someone who thinks that, oh, we should be selling our stuff to corporate, we're kind of like, what planet are you on? Right. And why are you here? It's like you missed the memo. But being explicit about that and where they come from, because I know that you have international clients, as do we. And if people aren't aware of that, they can get startled or surprised or not respond appropriately in a front stage situation. So I love that the values, who your clients are, and the primary deliverable that you offer to your clients, in your case, Genius Network, is so explicit and so clear. You're not leaving anything to guesswork. You're not assuming it's going to happen by osmosis. You are being incredibly explicit and clear about that. So I think that's First of all, admirable. Second of all, very strategic about making sure people do and say the right things now that you've got them actually on board. Well, thank you. And then depending on the role, Shannon, then the onboarding can take a different look and feel, but you could look at everybody that comes in. We look to have their on probation for six months, essentially. So to me and to the way I've designed this model is the onboarding happens for about six months with someone for us to really identify if we're a good fit for each other in alignment and also going to be mutually representing the eight values of are we appreciating each other? Are we enhancing each other? Are we utilizing each other? Are we confident in being able to refer each other? Are we a financial reward for each other, desiring to grow, anticipating resourcefulness, and so on? So for someone in selling, for example, one of the things that we did is we would have someone in our sales department shadow someone else who was already experienced at selling, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They would get access to the different scripting. They would actually plug into the phones and listen in on the calls. So they not just see it in theory, but now they'd see it in practice. And then ultimately transition from basically being a shadow to ultimately doing the first part of a sales presentation or, or building rapport phase, etc. So each of the different roles can have its own onboarding process beyond that first version that I described, which is the overall company onboarding process. Well, that's great. And I also love this. I mean, three months for a lot of people is kind of the legal limit. But Colby says something really interesting about that. Basically, someone can operate outside of their own MO, modus operandi or mode of operation for about three months, but then the cracks start to show. You'll start to see whether or not someone has the commitment, has the values. Someone has to want to strive in order for their striving instincts to kick in. So if they're not connected to what a company is doing, you frankly won't see them problem solve. You won't see them be successful. So I think the six months is really interesting because that actually gives you a much longer time to get to know one another. I love that. Do we do that value with each other? Do we appreciate each other? Do we enhance one another? That's a neat way of thinking about it. Now, before we wrap up, because we're going to do that shortly, I wanted to kind of give people a real sense of the funnel, because this really is a recruiting and hiring funnel. So the numbers that you have here, there's 514 total ad views via ZipRecruiter, which led to 92 surveys, so about one-fifth, 68 resumes, 15 videos. So that's interesting to me that it's great because 514 views means 15 videos. That is fairly easy for you then in terms of time that you're committing to this process to really figure out who you're going to pay attention to, who you're going to take to the next stage. And then nine initial interviews, six assignments. You give people actually like work assignments so you can see how they do. Five Colby's, four second interviews, three third interviews, and one higher. So I love that you shared those ratios and those numbers because I think that's very helpful for people to know what to expect. Are they going to have to watch 100 videos or 15? Right. 15 is pretty doable. <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, you know, again, it's a time saver, reduces the complexity. 
The other part about it is when you combine the videos with the interviews, the other part about the interviews, Shannon, is they don't have to be in person, mm. most of us may think. So you can have the video done, then do a first interview either by Skype or by phone, like a pre-interview, so to speak. Right. Right. I recommend one of the biggest problems I had, A and B, I've seen with countless number of companies that I've shared this with, is they have been too impulsive to hire after the first or second interview, right? Going, oh, I don't want to lose this candidate because they're just awesome. Well, a great candidate will, number one, you will lose a few here and there, but the great candidates will respect the process. You want them to be hungry to work for you as you are for them. So similar to what you just described about several months of being able to truly identify their MO, Mm -hmm. I find that using like a minimum of a three-interview process is absolutely one of the most important little hinges that can swing a big door in a hiring process. Do one interview, which can be by phone, then probably a second interview can be face-to-face, and these can even be done by other team members. Obviously, that was preceded by the video. And then the third official interview itself, I like taking off-site. I like taking them to a restaurant for either a breakfast or a lunch because I can learn more in half an hour with someone sitting and how they act and how they respond to wait staff and manners and different things of that nature about their character and values than I can in weeks in an office. And that's also another little hinge that swings a big door as well. I love that. You can tell a lot by how people eat. <laughs> but your point is a really good one about how they treat wait staff and how they hold themselves in a public environment. I think that is huge. And I've heard Joe talk about that too. So I love that you've reiterated that. The last point I want to make, and you made it at the beginning, is that this works for both people you're hiring into your company, but also works with outsourcing people. I can't tell you how many of our clients have team members who are spread out over the nation, over the globe. They're in the Philippines. They're in Europe. They're in South America. They're based in North America. It doesn't matter. Everything still applies. And actually, these people probably are more adapted at going through some of these steps than others because you still want A players working for you no matter where they're based. We're not bounded by borders the same way that we used to be. And I think really just appreciating that if you want to get really great people on your team and you want them, as you said, hungry to work with you, that this process is a phenomenal way of filtering out those who are not a right fit and really just ensuring that you do get the right people on the team. So... Dan, I'm going to wrap up now. Any last words of wisdom? I mean, I just love that you've put this together. I know it was clearly a labor of love, and I'm sure there's lots of teamwork involved in it too, but it really is your experience of what to do and what not to do that's created this. So any last words of wisdom or advice for people? I would say, number one, of course, working with you and Strategic Coach, I mean, is one of the best investments anybody can make. Thank you. The impact filter, the five ways you get paid, are great filtering mechanisms to be able to use in, you know, whether it's hiring or being able to work with decision-making in the company. I think the hiring process that we've got here, if you will apply it, you will see it to be an incredible opportunity to multiply your time and your energy. I look at it, Shannon, as a framework for all of us as entrepreneurs or leaders, intrapreneurs, that you've got elegant ideas times execution times confidence equals peak performance. Mm-hmm. Right, And you want to not only operate in peak performance, but I imagine if you're listening to this right now, you want to supply and provide an environment or a culture that allows your team to operate in peak performance. So you, know, you can have elegant ideas and great execution, but if the team's confidence is weak, the results or the performance suffer. So what I think the hiring model helps do, there is no perfect system, but I think it does extremely well. It's an elegant idea that allows opportunity for execution because you find the right people with the right positions to fit, and it also creates confidence because now you've got a methodology as the entrepreneur, owner, leader to be able to sift, sort, and screen the right people that will be in the right seats and the right positions doing the right things. It goes back to that thing. Do you want to be doing the right things or doing things right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think the answer to that is both, and I think a great hiring system like this will help you get more clarity, confidence, and capability to do that to grow your company. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I just love that you've done, frankly, the heavy lifting (laughs) to make it so much easier. So just so everyone has it again, it's geniusnetwork.com slash multiplier hiring. This is your gift from Dan and from Genius Network, so that you don't have to invent this yourself. You simply get to plug and play, adapt it, as you've said, Dan, to your certain circumstances. And again, the positioning of how you set 
up the ads just sets the tone for everything else. And I think it's just a great, explicit, and wise process that will lead everyone to multiply the results, which is our point. So Dan, thank you, thank you, thank you for both creating it and for sharing it with us today. And I hope for all of our listeners that you're inspired about some new ways to either refresh your own hiring process. If you don't have one that you have confidence in, just borrow this one wholeheartedly. I think you'll get some great results. And if you have any questions or comments, please let us know at questions at strategiccoach.com. I love hearing from you. And again, Dan, thank you. I just so appreciate you handling so capably this really major challenge for most entrepreneurial companies. Thanks a million. Thanks, Shannon. Hi, Shannon here. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success podcast on iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach program for entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. For free downloads and more Team Success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com. Mm-hmm.